you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the California Underground Podcast. I'm your host, Phil. With me, as always, is my trusty co-host, the best and fastest researcher in the West, Camille. And tonight, tonight, I think we're making history on the California Underground Podcast. For the first time, we have a state center and an assemblywoman as guests on the same podcast. We've never had this before. This is exciting. Brian and <laughs> Megan Dolly. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for uh, coming on. Brian, you've been on, but Megan, it's your first time on. So thank you both for coming on. How are you guys doing tonight? We're great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're really excited. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were just right before we were about to hop on, I asked, is there anything you guys specifically want to talk about? You said there's so much to talk about. And I agree, there's so much to talk about in California. Um, but before we hop into that, for people who don't know you, why don't you introduce yourselves and give us a quick little how you guys got into politics and where you are right and how you got to where you are right now. Great. Start. You want me to start? Yep. <laughs> well, first off, you should know that uh, we've been married for 24 years and um, we have three children. We have uh, our oldest is 23. Our next son is 21 and we have a 13 year old daughter. So two boys and a girl. Uh, we both are from Northern California. Our families have a deep, long history in Northern California. Uh, my family homesteaded uh, in Siskiyou County uh, 93 years ago, and Megan's family were, I don't know how long, long. We've been there longer than him. Longer than us. So <laughs> been around a long time. And so we got, I actually got into politics uh, just by wanting to serve my community and make sure that, you know, our, my values and our community's values were represented at the county level. And so I served 16 years on the Lassen County Board of Supervisors uh, before I ran for the state assembly, was elected to the assembly in 2012 and served six and a half years in the state assembly and uh, my remaining time in the Senate. Uh, when I went to the Senate, Megan came um, uh, to the assembly so she can tell her journey. But we basically, I think for both of us, it's that we love California. It's an amazing, beautiful state. Uh, we're those couple that are, aren't willing to leave. We we will fight till the bitter end because there's something worth fighting for here. And what happens in California will eventually happen across the nation. So we need to get it right here. Yes. And so we're farmers. We have a seed business and a trucking division. And when our children were small and Brian was in the assembly, I also um, was co-owner of a plant nursery and on our local school board. So when Brian started in Sacramento, our boys were 10 and 12 and um, not quite old enough to run the farm yet. So I took over most of the operations and um, the school board really motivated me and moved me into that local pol like political realm and um, very passionate about rural education. Most of the legislation I've run since I've been elected to the assembly has been around um, our rural schools and making sure that those outline areas children get all access to all of the classes that they need. Um, a proud mom moment for me is both of our boys were accepted to Cal Poly and that's really hard to do. They graduated from a high school of 52 students. Mm -hmm. So that's all four grades, <laughs> all 52. four grades. So just wow. um, really pushed hard 
But um, something I learned um, on the school board as a parent with kids in school, you have to advocate at every level for your kids. And um, although we have great teachers in our schools, you know, um, the curriculum and things that come down from at the state level really impact our children and our children are, they really are our future. They're our workforce and they're the leaders coming up and um, it's so vital. So that's where my passion started. And when Brian ran for Senate, um, the question was who would run for that assembly seat and um, we're partners in life and everything we do. And so it just, it felt right. I ran and I won in a special election. And so I've been elect elected six no since November of 2019. When Brian turns out in 2024, I'm running for his Senate seat. So I've just made that decision. Wow. That's great. Yeah. M more dollies. We need more dollies, people <laughs> like you in the legislature. Um, real quick, maybe this is a good way to kind of guide our uh, episode tonight because there's two of you and I want to make sure we discuss some really important issues. Uh, right off the bat, as legislatures, what do you think is your number one topic that you're advocating for in the legislature? Whoever wants to go first. Well, I would start with just saying that there's so many things that um, are just unfortunate about California. We have Proposition 47. So crime, we have a lot of things happening, but I would just say that as a business owner and as somebody who uh, has been here for 10 years, we've had a lot of money in Sacramento, more than there's ever been. And we last year we had $108 billion in extra revenue. And this year we see a $31 billion deficit. So we went from 108 to minus 31 billion. And when you talk about what the future of California looks like, when we we've we've chased businesses out of California, I mean, uh, HP, Oracle, huge worldwide companies are leaving California and that's our tax base. And so for me, uh, the biggest issue is that are we going to have the resources and are they going to be spent in a way uh, that allows Californians to thrive? And we still we and we have the highest poverty rate at the same time. So it's really ironic that we have uh, we're the fourth largest economy and we have the highest poverty rate in the nation, and we have the highest living expenses, and those two don't go very well together. And at the same time, we're seeing businesses leave California. Uh, the future looks really bleak uh, for uh, how are we gonna manage uh, uh, balancing the budget and giving the services that government is supposed to do, like public safety and education and those things, we all need infrastructure. Um, but if we don't do the, if we don't keep businesses here, they're the ones that pay the bill and we are um, pushing them out of California. So I think. For me, overall, uh, that's the biggest uh, issue, and it affects every single um, California, no matter where your income's at, but it especially it hurts the low income and people uh, of uh, color more than it does others. And I think for, for in my office and what we hear the most about is affordability. And mm. from that, just how stems our housing crisis. You know, we, we don't have, we're short 10,000 teachers right now. You know, we're short physicians and dentists and every, you know, we hear, I, I hear a lot because of our rural communities and it's very hard to recruit for every level of professional, um, you know, people that we need. And so affordability, it comes back to housing, the cost of living experience, you know, your electricity bill, the cost of gas. And so we spend a lot of time just educating um, our constituents and people that call into our office or send us emails how did we get here? Why mm -hmm. does everything cost so much? And so you spend it, it, 
and people are waking up. They're starting to understand that when your gas is high, they start to ask those questions. Where are the taxes? Well, shouldn't all the taxes that we're collecting on our gas fix our roads, but you're still driving through potholes. We're, we're touting how proud we are that we're spending more money than we ever have on education. And we're still some of the lowest in the nation per pupil, more money than we've ever spent. And we're still, you know, there's a hundred thousand students in, in California that haven't returned back to our schools. That's detrimental. And that isn't just to our school system, but like I said, education for me is the foundation for the future. So if you don't leave our school, our public education with a, with a solid education and be able to go into a trade or work for a business, what, uh, what I hear consistently is I am short deputies. We're short everywhere. We're short. We don't have enough workforce. So if our education system is not solid and is not, it's not turning out the workforce that we need for the future, we're, we're in dire times. Hmm. Uh, Senator, I, I saw a, a clip that is, I would say is starting to go viral. So kudos to you. It was it was you on the floor. You had made this comment that actually I reacted audibly so loud that my wife thought something happened bad in the other room. She goes, well, honey, what? And I and I looked at her and I said, can you believe this? Uh, you would say that in California, when it comes to business expenses that can be written off, only California only allows twenty five thousand dollars. And you said the federal is a million dollars. Um and even she looked at me and just in shock because she works for a trucking company. Um, and so she understands small business owners trying to buy anything. I mean, you can't buy a Toyota Corolla for $25,000, <laughs> let alone any sort of construction equipment or farming equipment or anything like that, that requires millions of dollars. Um, talk a little bit about that and how you said businesses, are, it's just not friendly to do business here in California. Yeah, I was uh, speaking on the budget on the floor. I missed a few of my points. I got a little bit too ahead of myself. But yes, in California, the amount you can write off dollar for dollar is $25,000. So if you buy, let's just, for example, we're in the trucking business as well. So if you buy a $150,000 uh, commercial vehicle, you're going to be able to write off in that year the first $25,000 dollar for dollar. At the federal level, it's a million dollars. And so there's no incentive for you to in, invest, which when you when you do invest in that new piece of equipment, there's a sales tax that goes to the county. There's a sales tax that goes to the state. There's a license of it. There's all this revenue generated um, by your purchase. And at the same time, you're providing jobs, which there's a revenue from jobs as well. And so I brought that up because it should be a lot higher and you would get more businesses uh, to invest in their business uh, because of the tax availability purposes like they do at the federal level. So, um, but what, I, what my point was in the budget is that, you know, it's, uh, yeah, there's, con there's some cuts coming, but there's nothing in that budget. There was not one thing in that budget that actually promoted a business staying in California. Not one. There was not one thing you could identify. So why would you stay in California when we have, uh, higher lawsuits to your business. We have higher regulations to your business. We have the highest taxes for your business. There's no real incentive for a business to stay in California unless they just can't leave. That's Megan and I. We, First of all, we don't want to leave. We love California and we're going to fight to the bitter, but we can't pick our land up and move it to another state. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what you see is the businesses that are left in California are those businesses that, um, you know, for the most part, don't want to leave or can't leave. And people that can move with their feet and still run their business have left California. And we've seen that. And that is, I think to me, was the message I was trying to explain is like, there's nothing in here that makes a business want to stay, which I did explain it. The first of that is that you can't have no member on the Senate floor can get a paycheck until a private industry pays a tax first. So you continue to regulate them. You continue to continue to tax them uh, and burden them. Uh, when you when you have no businesses, you don't get a paycheck. That was my point was trying to say, hey, let's do something for the businesses. Make California a place where it's business friendly and we will grow and we'll have those resources to have public safety, to have good schools, to have good roads. That was the point. Yeah, it's almost like uh, San Francisco. We've we've had a couple episodes on it recently. Is not enough of a a warning sign to the legislature that hey, this is what happens when you go down this road of totally not being business friendly. It feels like every day I open Instagram and I see, oh, the Westfield Mall is closing, Nordstrom's right. is closing. Uh, you know, this business. It's just day after day is like pretty soon it's going to be a ghost town in San Francisco. And London Breed's not doing anything about it. Um, you would think that they take like stock in that and say, "Boy, if we keep going down this road where we overtax, we overregulate, we're all go- the whole state's going to end up like San Francisco." Why do your Democrat colleagues not seem to realize that when it comes to the real world and the budget they're facing? Well, I think there's been a lot of warnings, right? Like you can visit, like San Francisco, a perfect example, just drive through the streets, right? Like the homelessness, the open drug use, you know, that is, it's coming to the, your community near you. That's what basically is going to happen. And so, but there's all these warnings, but you're right. It doesn't seem to make, um, to move them. And when you're here, you know, within this one block, what mile was it? One mile. One mile, one mile square. I call it like the dome, right? We're inside of this dome when you're in Sacramento and it's kind of, you're protected from the outside world as a member, right? You don't, unless you're hearing from your constituents, when you're here, their thoughts are, they think they're right because that's what they're all they're hearing from each other, right? The same thought process. So, um, but we know it's coming. Our LAO, which is our legislative analysis office, you know, they warn, they say that revenues are not going to come in will be $11 billion short of what they're expecting coming. And the warning signs always come, but um, somehow they move things around and use some smoke and mirrors in the budget to make it look like they're they're balancing it. But it, it's coming. It's coming in the next year or two. And I think as Republicans, well, we, tr- are, we have solutions. They're not heard in committee. They don't hear our bills. You know, we are, we are a super minority. So we're shut out of those conversations, but we do have solutions. Just like Brian said, we're in business. So if we had an incentive to grow, we haven't grown a lot in the last five years because what's, what's the, why would I go put another truck on the road? Hmm. Why would I, why would I go hire another truck driver, go through all the drug screens, all the things I have to do to put a a truck, you know, on the road and um, have the other payment, right? For another $200,000 piece of equipment. And so, people are just, they're holding. We're in, if you're still, if you're still in business in California, you're, you're in a holding pattern. You're not growing. And so when we, when we finally wake up as a state and, you know, give us those incentives, we will grow again. And 
Another thing too is, you know, we're in agriculture. We innovate, we change, we change directions. And um, it's a, that's a blessing of being a business owner as you can. Here in government, you don't, we don't change quickly. The changes don't come, come ha you know, fast enough like we can in our own business. So uh, that kind of, that's a perfect segue to one of the questions I wanted to talk about. Uh, both of you obviously very involved in the California GOP, got your plaque back you the, with, with the frame back there with the California <laughs> GOP. Um, yes, look at us. <laughs> I wanted to kind of talk about um, sort of the state of the California GOP and how do you, we start to get these conservative solutions in front of Californians and propose them and get them in front of people who, because I feel like a lot of these solutions, if you just went to the person on the street and said, hey, here's an idea that we can do in California, don't put a Democrat or Republican label on it. I bet nine times out of 10, someone's going to say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Why don't we do it? And it just seems like there's this disconnect with the California GOP and reaching voters right now. Um, so let's, let's start there and talk a little bit about that. And how do we get those solutions in front of people? Well, I would say as somebody, do you want me to go ahead? That's how you stay, stay married 24 years. You make sure that you, you're okay to, to talk. What uh, I would just say Valuable as, life advice. Yeah. <laughs> as, um, somebody who has been in politics now 27 years and, a Republican in California, which is uh, kind of interesting in itself. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I just went through a governor's race where 28% of the electorate is Republican and we were able to get 41% of the vote. So I want to say that I think our message is that, um, you know, if you like what you're getting with the one party control in California, uh, and we saw a big move, I, I, we got more votes for our governor's race uh, than any candidate since, um, Schwarzenegger, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And so I want to say to the, our party is a, a lot of independent, free thinking people who are, don't just lockstep with everybody. We have our own opinions and we're strong about those opinions, but I think, uh, and I think we are trying to move with our leadership in the assembly and the Senate uh, with James Gallagher and Brian Jones, that we are focused on putting our differences aside and getting in lockstep and trying to get all these grassroots. There's so many grassroots organizations that are are uh, and doing quite frankly what we're doing right here today we're talking about the issues and doing that but trying to get them united behind the party and saying look okay after the primary lay your swords down and let's go get the enemy who the enemy is the, the democrat party and so we're hopeful that's why we're doing these things that's why we're continuing to do this that we can unite all these uh what i call the the, the line officers on the ground that are doing warfare with those of us in Sacramento and at the local levels that are elected to try to move the ball forward. And I think we're going to get there because at some point, Californians are going to wake up. And, I, and a lot of them are because we saw that, you know, gap between 28% and 41 that we actually got votes. They're saying, wait, mm -hmm. we want to try something different. So we need to get up. And I think Megan was the one that brought it up today in caucus and said, you know, Democrats all speak the same language. When they get on point, they all say, I mean, you can turn on the TV and watch it every night. It's like whatever they're saying, they're all saying it. Mm. Republicans, we're all saying something different, even though we're still saying it, but we're saying it a different way instead of saying it in a way that messages. So if we could figure that out, that we can message 
and the message doesn't, you know, waver back and forth too much, I think we could gain a lot of ground. Yeah, my so where I prefer to be is the um, strategist in the situation, right? Like, um, for instance, this one doesn't have any idea how much money we have, but um, he would have to ask me. <laughs> so, which is that's true. true. Yeah, true. straight up. So I. I love uniting people. I love putting people in a room and trying to figure out how we can do, get to the same place that we all want to go. Right. And we all are independent thinkers and each one of us, um, in, in our district, we know our districts well, because we all have very, you know, different um, issues that we're facing, but nothing else matters. And I say this over and over to get again, to groups that come in to meet with me. Um, you know, great parent groups that come in to advocate at the Capitol and I sit with them and we spend time, but absolutely nothing else matters until we're out of super minority. Mm-hmm. We can fight over whatever we want to fight over, but the only focus should be getting us out of the super minority. That means pick those seats in the Senate and the assembly, those target seats, hold or pick up, you know, our hold seats, our target seats and pick up the ones that we're all going after. And we're going to do, we are committed um, through, on the, I know on the Assembly Caucus and Wells on the Senate, is to be able to really voice that to our constituents and to the voters. These are the races that we are getting involved in and we're getting behind. And so that way, every grassroots effort can be there with us. Because right now, we aren't, we're not doing that, right? We're talking about issues, which is very important. But not, like running for school board, I was on a school board, so I can speak to this, right? You can be on a school board and you can advocate and you can raise heck all, all you want. But if the curriculum comes down from the state, that is what they're going to teach in your school. Even no. if you're on that school board, even if you protest out front, even if you do all those things, it's coming. Right. So unless we flip those seats and I, I've said this in, to many Republicans before, Republicans do not author bills with mandates. Republicans do not author bills that come after your parental rights. We do not author bills that, you know, hurt us for our public safety. We are for affordability and accountability, public safety, you know, safe communities. That's what we are for. And so I'm just always like, we are not your problem. (laughs) Republicans are on your team. We just need more of us. So that is like our focus. And that's where, that's what I'm going to push for. That's why I'm meeting with groups and talking to them individually and we're um, really hoping to unite coming into this next election, our grassroots efforts across the state. And that's something I, I've told, I think, ad nauseum, and Camille can back me up on this. How many times have I said, it's so important, everybody wants to, you know, make California flip it red overnight. And I try to tell people, I'm like, no, 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 you have to start small. Politics is an incremental game where if the goal right now should be break up the supermajority in Sacramento, all of a sudden, a lot of things change. And you guys know more about the procedurals and the caucuses and committees and stuff like that. But breaking up the supermajority goes a long way in California. Um, And and I feel personally, when you look at the races up and down the state, um, a lot of races are very close. They're within percentage points. So while you look up and at, oh, you know, we're getting our butts kicked up and down the state, you look at them and they're, they're really close races. So you get good candidates and you put them in there. Um, and then going back to Senator Dolly, Senator, uh, where your election recently gave me hope that it was the best in over 10 years. I said, this is amazing that there's so much enthusiasm behind you. So I think there is a, a cause for some sort of enthusiasm that 
people are starting to maybe tune into these conservative solutions. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And I would say to, um, you know, people who criticize the Republican party that, um, look, there's no, there's, there's, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We don't have to have a movie star or we don't have to have, uh, you know, a talk show, radio talk show host save us at the end of the day. It's there, there's a formula for politics. The people that show up take from the people who don't show up. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so simple that we can't seem to grasp, grasp how it works. But I will tell you, the Democrats understand they show up, they're here all the time. And, and when I say, who, who are they? The unions, the, the SEIU, the teachers union, they're here every day. They pile a lot of money in and they advocate for the things that they want and they get what they want. Quite frankly, they get what they want because they own the legislators because they're fearful of them. Nobody is fearful of a Republican in this building. Nobody. Except for another Republican that's going to run against a Republican. That's the only Republican that matters. But to be honest with you, if, if we had Californian Republicans dedicate their time and their resources the way the Democrats do, it would change this game. And because we do, we spend... We, what is why does money matter in politics? Because money is name identification. Why did everybody vote for Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because they all knew who the Terminator was. And it wasn't because he was some great guy in politics. It's because mm-hmm. they knew who he was and they're like, they wanted something different. So no different in this game. Money means you can advertise who you are and you can also ex- exploit your opponent. And they do that very well on the other side of the aisle. They have a lot of money. They exploit us. They exploit national stuff. They spin it. Do all those things because they have the resources to do it. We have a very little bit of resources to try to defend what their lies are at the same time trying to promote ourselves. So if we had the resources and we had the people behind us, we can change the state. But there's a lot of people that, if just like you said earlier, Phil, if they didn't know who the law author was and we, you ask them about an issue, Californians are with us. But we have to be able to not be demonized. And we have to have the resources to be able to tell our story. I think that's the biggest challenge that we're, we're faced with. And it is a long game. I think you hit it, the nail on the head. This is, a, it, this is not a one-hit wonder. You know, every once in a while we get a Republican as a governor, but we need to take back the legislature. And that means that we have to have a long game. That means that you have to be dedicated to staying here. I mean, Scott Wilk, I would bless his heart, he did a great quote on, I think it was 957. Yes. About if you love your children, get out of California. Well, I love my children and I'm not leaving California. I'm going to stay here and fight. And that's the point we have to, we have to be in the fight for a long time and it takes a lot of work and a lot of resources to do it. And the other side, quite frankly, is, is here all the time and they're consistent. They're long and take a little bit of the, a bite of the pie at a time. And before long, you have the whole pie. We need to have that same attitude as Republicans and we need to show up and we need to get, get our wallet out and we need to do our jobs. And it's not, a, you know, we're outspent three to one, but we may leave, you know, lose a seat by a thousand votes. So, I yeah. mean, they have to spend a lot of money to tell their lies, right? And so mm-hmm. we, we can do it and we don't have to have that. We don't, we need money and resources, but we don't have to have that same, you know, it's okay if we're maybe only spent two to one instead of three to one, right. because our message is right. It, our message is good. It's sound. And and um, we just need the resources to get out there. Yeah, and, and I guess that leads me to another question about this: is that um, you guys are much more involved. This this idea to me is that 
if you don't stop it here, this is something I say a lot. We're sort of on the front lines here in America. If you don't stop it here in California, you can guarantee it's going to end up in Texas, in Arizona, in Nevada, in all these safe red states where you go, oh, I'm safe here in Texas. This will never come to me. It's going to get there eventually. So it has to be stopped here in California. And I, I scratch my head as to why there isn't more of a push for outside money or people to support California in pushing back so that it can be stopped here. And I understand a lot of money goes to congressional races because people like to send people to DC. And I have my own thoughts about people going to DC to save California, but that's a whole different episode. Um, I just don't understand why there couldn't be more of an effort to say, look, we need to stop this here. Bills like the ones that are being passed where kids can be taken away for if they, you, you don't affirm their gender, the state can just come in and take them away. We need to stop that at the state level and we need your help. So why aren't we getting more help from the rest of the country or, or big money donors to kind of fight back a little bit more? Well, I would say just coming off of the governor's race that, um, you know, a lot of people have given up on California as far as uh, the legislature goes. But I will tell you this, everything that affects our business and our children, the air we breathe, the kind of vehicle we're going to drive, uh, what kind of road we're going to drive down, all is a California problem. It's not a federal issue. I mean, look, at the end of the day, the federal government I mean, really doesn't, they, we, we're, we get money from them. But at the end of the day, it's not the regulations to, to deal with. Uh, our schools or our, or our business, it's happening here in California. It's exactly why you know, I didn't run for Congress. I ran for governor because the problems we have here in California. But I will say that I think a lot of Republicans and, you know, you hear a lot of the attitude of like, well, I'm just going to leave California because I'm going to flee to somewhere. And we see it. Florida is getting a lot of people. Texas is getting a lot of uh, California, n not just Republicans, but Democrats as well. Um, so I think that we have to somehow craft the message that, and I always say it, if you're leaving California, the, they're coming there next once they once they do get if you look, if you, you look at the legislation that was passed in California ten years ago, it's being pushed at the federal level when when the Democrats are in control. And so I think what we need to do here is we need to make a stand. I think California is overreach, has been overreaching. The Democrats have been overreaching in California, it's catching up with them. When we have uh, poor budget times, a lot of things will come out uh, uh, the the issues that we have that are troubling California. And I think we have an opportunity uh, to to catch our state and bring it back to us. That, that's, a, again, why I ran for governor. The guy at the top can has a veto pen. You can do a lot as governor. Get all the appointments to um, every agency, which is huge in California. We have a lot of agencies that are doing their own rules and regulations without the oversight of the government, without the mm -hmm. oversight of the legislature. And that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, well, you know, we have friends in all over the country, right? Idaho and Texas moved to Arizona. And now there, there's signs everywhere. Like, look, if you're from California, keep your ideas there. Like you don't, don't bring your ideas. You, you're welcome to come, but you cannot bring your ideas with you when you get here. So, um, you know, we had friends that flew to Tennessee just to check it out to see what they were, you know, gonna do. And, um, but we love California and you're right. What happens in California will happen across the nation. I mean, if you're watching, our current governor right now, I don't even want to say his name out loud, but you know, he's doing national news and he's, you know, he's, he's, he has a plan and he's laying it up. And so I don't, I, I, I strongly, you know, I do not think our nation is ready for that. 
I don't think our nation wants our current governor as our president. But that's something that we talked about a lot on the campaign trail during the governor's race is like, this is what's coming. And it's going to come for, you know, you might think you're safe in Texas, just like you said, or Tennessee or wherever it's coming, it will come. So um, you're right, we need to put up a a strong fight here in California. Um, And we are but I, I don't know yet how we Maybe if we just get all those people that have fled California to um, donate and to some kind of a, you know, flip your state back so you can return. <laughs> That's what we need. Yeah, you definitely need a, a good a good slogan or, or a good campaign to do that. Sorry, Camille, you were about to hop yeah, in. Yeah, can, can I say some things, ask some questions? <laughs> I was watching that yeah, hearing right with uh, when Scott Will made his comment, and I really appreciated his comment that for years he's seen we're protecting children, but it's time to protect parents. Uh, I definitely resonated with that, but then he did follow that up with, if you're a parent, you need to leave. And, I, and then I didn't like that. I'm a parent of four. I'm not leaving. And I want to save California. I want my children to stay here if they so choose as, you know, they're entering adulthood and I would like them to be able to afford to stay here. And I hope they want to, to be near me. Um, I can't stand the thought of them being far away, but one thing, um, and like you mentioned, we we don't need movie stars and radio talk show hosts, but I do feel like people are very uninspired. I know for me personally, getting involved in politics the last few years, I've certainly, um, met several politicians, candidates now, gotten to know some, you guys, I, I truly still appreciate you. You know, I've gotten to know you guys a little bit personally, and I've gotten to know other uh, politicians personally, and I'm very disenchanted by them, but I really appreciate the work that you guys are doing. So I want to say that, that I still, I still respect you guys. Like <laughs> there's so many before where I'm like, uh, uh-uh, no, staying far away from that one. But I don't feel that way about you guys, but I think twofold, I think a lot of people feel like it's hard to run. It is hard to run. I've never run, but from talking to people, it's hard to run and they're giving up a lot of their life to run. But then voters are so uninspired. Like we haven't had many inspiring politicians that are really getting people out to register to vote or even vote in general. And I would like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think I would, speaking from a Republican side, right? Like if you watch, um, you know, people in our life, if we've talked to them through the years, like, what, what would you run? Would you want? No, they've watched us, right? They've watched. Um, thankfully, our children are good and we've all survived and they're they're still they're thriving. But you can watch other families. I mean, you, you can watch it on the national level, on any level. Right. Like once you get into politics, this is an ugly sport. This isn't for everyone. Right. And some people, really good people will never run for office who have great ideas, who are inspiring, who run a bit all, you know, they're they're, they're perfect on paper, but they're not going to enter into this world because they're not going to put their family on their line. They're not going to put their business on the line. And and, and it, like I said, it's ugly. Right. And so um, I think that's hard. And so when you do find I think for us, like the inspiring part is like we're also in it. So we're in politics and when you're in a super minority, you have to do politics, right? Like if I ever want my bills out of committee or want them to be heard, you, you, there's a certain thing, there's certain things that you have to do. So you have, there are some trade-offs, right? You can be super charismatic. And I always say there's those rally speakers. I'm not a rally speaker. It's not my, maybe someday, maybe someday that will be like what I move into. But right now my strategy is I want 
skirt a school, you know, nurses in my schools, right? Like we don't have any, and we have a type one diabetic godson who needs his insulin. I mean, we have, you know, these are, I just chip away at those things that I'm really passionate about, but I have to do it in such a way in a super minority that I'm not going to get up on the floor and yell at people and tell them, you know, they're all going to hell or whatever. So I have to do it in such a way to get things done. So right now my lens for me as a, in this role is to get things done for my constituents. But you're right, like an overall charismatic. And what happens though, I think, and Brian can weigh in on this, is you might have somebody that's really charismatic and they're a great speaker and they will rally people, but they get here and they don't know how it works. And so, mm -hmm. you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is kind of a great example. He gave it, you know, so you have to know how it works, right? You have to know how this place works. You have to know how the budget cycle works, how you can get a bill through the through that both houses. And so. Well, I would say that. <laughs> what are your you know, at the end of the day, um, it, as Megan said, this is a contact sport. It's, it's, um, and I think for us, it's more, uh, for me, it's like we've had a hundred and I think 30 something legislators to our district. And so you can be strong and you can be conservative and you can do it in a way that you're respectful at the same time and not, and it's not personal. So I think a lot of people take politics personal. And it's their badge to, you know, get on TV and spout off. And but if you want to be effective and true to who you are, which is what our look, this isn't the best job we ever had. We we would rather be home, you know, raising our children and running our farm and, and enjoying California. But we know this is something we're called to do. And there's there's a higher calling than that. And we'll put ourselves out there for that. And so for me, it's the ability to be able to say what you need to say in a way, just like I do. I mean, if on the, on the Senate floor and on the assembly floor. And I still have friends across the aisle that I totally disagree with on almost everything, but there's something in there that I can find that we can work together on. And that's been my attitude all along in politics, because, you know, you can be loud and you can, and you can get all the likes you want and you can get all the Instagram stuff you want. But at the end of the day, you're here to represent in our case, my case, a million, 300,000 people is what I represent today. It's a lot of people that, want to know they can pick the phone up and I will work on their issue. And so I, we can do that. And I can always say, do you want to be right? Or, do you want to be right? Or do you want to win? Which one? Cause you can win by just being that person that is very good at media and politics, or do you want to really, because if you, if you win, you can be right. That's why I say you want to be, you want to be right or you want to win. So hope I didn't confuse you there. But my, my goal is, is that I, I want to win the race that I'm in so that I can then be right. Because when, you're, when you have the power to be able to actually put a bill forward and actually help somebody, it's awesome. But you can't do that if your just number one goal is to climb to the next spot and get elected, because that's easy to do. That's all you have to do is say the things that your constituents want to hear and go to the backyard barbecues and be there, you will win. But at the end of the day, if you really want to do something big for California and hard, you have to get in the trenches and you have to work hard to get it done. I think that's where Megan and I come from. We don't want to leave. We, we're willing to put the hard work in, but we're not somebody who is going to just throw the bomb and try to get a bunch of people to follow us on social media. We want to do what's right. We will, we will point out the faults with the legislation in a respectful manner and be courteous about it at the same time. And respect. Um, recently, you brought up a good point about you can be conservative and strong and, and stand by your principles. Um, recently, I think it was, was it last week or just recently they, 
uh, Republicans walked out on the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, mm-hmm. the honoring ceremony. Um, and I, I think I actually applauded the California Republicans for it. And I said, it's great that they stood for something and said something and represented um, my feelings about it. I, I'm a Catholic um, and I, I have my own personal feelings. Camille knows I've been ranting about the Sisters of Perpetual <laughs> Indulgence for the past three podcast episodes um and i I think like there's there's a good way to be strong in your convictions and represent um especially that photo of bill salia with the you know any bigotry is religious any bigotry against religious one religion is bigotry against all of us um i thought that was great and i think that's a great message where you kind of stepped aside and differentiated yourself from the democrats and said we represent, we're going to stand for these social issues and represent millions of Californians who stand behind you. Um, do you. Do you see that going forward as a good strategy for Republicans leaning into social issues and kind of being bold on stuff like that? Yeah, so I was, that's my caucus, and I was part of the group that did res- very respectfully get up off of the floor and go outside. There was a prayer vigil that was happening outside. So I think for me, you know, we, we did all the right things. We asked for the passes off the floor, you know, because when we're on the floor, we we can't just walk off. You have to be given permission to leave the floor. So um, our floor leader asked for the passes for the members that wanted to leave. We were we were given the passes and we just respectfully got up and went out to um, the event outside. Um, and for me, it was, you know, there's there are members of our caucus that are Catholic. We're, we're Christian, not Catholic, but it was just... It was just too much. You know, at some point, there's just always those lines that you um, that you reach. And it's just it's just too much. And so um, I think what was hard after that is like I, we were we were respectful in um, like the, the, the way we um, stood up, I guess. Um, and there was pushback, of course, because um, we did that. And there was a few members of our caucus that had some, you know, um, issues afterwards. But um in the end, for me, I slept well. I'm peaceful about it because we're allowed to have core. We're allowed to have core values, right? This is California mm-hmm. for all. We're supposed to be inclusive, and everyone should be able to feel the way they feel, believe what they want to believe, and ultimately, you know, your core values should guide, should should guide, you know, everything you do in life. And so, um, just I think it was a couple months ago, we had a resolution on the floor to recognize the Tennessee Five because I don't know if you saw that, but because of, you know, they, I will, I use the word storm the Capitol, but they did in Tennessee, right? And they're, they're in our situation. They're in a super minority there. The Democrats are. So we on the floor, the Democrats of California recognized them for their bravery, for their standing up, for their, you know, going in with bullhorns and doing. So I think, um, our leader, James Gallagher, did a great job that day and said, look, we hope that we would have that same respect because you're speaking to us who are also in the super minority here. So if we show up mm-hmm. with bullhorns and we show up, you know, shouldn't we be also um, receive that same that same recognition, right, for doing that? So fast forward, you know, less than two months later, we respectfully walk off the floor and there's pushback. So, you know, the, hop- the hypocrisy here is pretty thick sometimes. I would say, so on the Senate side, we had the same uh, celebration, I should say. And um, 
So we wrote a letter. Originally, we wrote a letter asking them, saying we oppose it. We we oppose it. And so, um, in the Senate, we don't have to have we don't have to ask permission to anybody. We we can do whatever we want. We can leave the floor whenever we want. We don't have to consult with anybody. And so, for me though, I actually stayed on the floor. I have I represent. I take a little different take than <laughs> the. There was some members, two of our caucus that actually left and and left the floor and and. But for me, I represent 1.3 million people. I worked my ass off to get on that floor. And by golly, I'm not going to let some <laughs> sisters of perpetual indulgence take my spot on the floor. Mm -hmm. I, I have a right and I have a whole bunch of people that that I that voted for me to for me to be on that floor. Now, I didn't clap and stand up and and do all that. But I'm going to take my seat on the floor and you're not going to push me off the floor. I have a I have a 1.3 million people I represent that expect me to be on that floor. So I look at it maybe a little bit different. Um, but we did push back. We wrote the letter and said, hey, we uh, we don't want these. We, th we think this is hate. This is hate the way they're going about it against the Catholic Church. And you know, we're Christians, but we stand with all religions, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Catholic, whether you're whatever. You know, we have a fundamental right in America to um, freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And we, we respect that totally. Okay. And, hate, and the one thing is hate speech is. It's something they're doing. I mean, it's straight up. They are they are, you know, mocking um, Christ and and the Catholic Church, and we don't stand for that. Period. So my question is personal, so feel free to just be like, nope. <laughs> but since he said that, I am so curious. You guys are two different people. I know you're on the same side, same beliefs, but you're still two different people with independent thoughts. Do you ever? bring your work home and argue about it feel free to disregard i just am dying to know oh yeah so we, <laughs> look at her she can't I'm wait like, oh i can't wait to talk this. <laughs> so we you know when we when i first got elected we did not we didn't really talk a, a lot we had i think it was like i would say as like kind of like our transition period right our kids our boys were just starting college so we had a lot to talk about with children and business and everything so now everything's kind of settled in we do talk i mean eight o'clock in the morning i'll say why did you vote against that like you should not have that i mean we'll be getting ready in the morning right and i'm like did you really read that bill because that's you should not have voted for that and he's like well it didn't look like that when it was on my side we have these little back and forth because bills do have amendments and things come through but um there was a uh, an issue uh, was it last year in the budget he told me that i could there was a budget ask right, that I was brief. Make sure you say this right. I know. Tell you any... <laughs> so there was a budget ask that I was prepared to oh. make for one of my counties. And Brian said, I don't know why you're doing that. Like you're going to use up your political capital on that. And he was like, you're never going to get it anyway. Huh? So telling me that I'm not going to get something done is probably, probably a great way to motivate me. So I did get that in the budget. And so, but we actually had a pretty, pretty good argument over it actually because i was like what no you're not gonna tell me to not do that so but we he's the loud one i just wait until he calms down and then i tell him well you're wrong so now go <laughs> go fix it <laughs> i will 100 uh, percent agree with her we <laughs> we really do um our whole time we've since we met i mean we dated for three years before we got married. And so, but we are a real team. I mean, at the end of the day, Megan's right. I'm the, I'm the go do it. Don't really think about it a lot. Just get it done. And she's the one that comes behind the scenes and really organizes me and keeps me focused and grounded. And we, we make a great team, but we do, I think it was like somebody actually 
I think it was like 10 times we voted opposite on bills. And it's, it's, we do talk about it. We, we have, look, we have three children who are amazing. We don't always agree on how we should raise them, but one thing we are committed, we're committed to each other. We're committed to our family. We're committed to our community. And, you know, we can agree to disagree and still have the same goals. And so you're right. It is, it is, uh, sometimes fascinating at home when we talk about, and we just have different opinions, which is healthy. I think we, I, we're we not the same always, and that's good. What our, our oldest said to me one day, it was pretty funny because Brian had told him that he could spend a certain amount of money at a auction that was coming up. I said, I don't know. I'll see what I, what I want to do when I get there. Right. And Chase has said, okay, whatever, mom, it's just your world and we all live in it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I was going to ask, uh, because you guys both work, I was going to ask if you guys carpool to work together. We try to as much as we can because it actually saves the state money, but <laughs> it's really kind of interesting. Well, the fact is our daughter is in school here in Sacramento, and so I try to get home uh, or to the district as much as I can. And so Megan usually stays behind and waits for Rosalind because she has the Friday that we get out on Thursday afternoon uh, in session. And then we, we go to the district or home. So I try to work my way through the district home. Uh, we try to as much as we can because it saves money for the state. But there's obviously we we have a lot of different uh, areas that we go. So not always. So we got about uh, 10 minutes left uh, before we wrap for the hour. Um, you guys aren't in any rush, right? We still got 10 minutes. I want to make sure. Nope. Yeah, of course. Okay, excellent. Um, I just want to kind of finish up on this idea of conservative solutions and how they can help California. Uh, I, th there's so many things we can touch upon. Uh, Senator, you came on and you eloquently described a whole bunch of solutions when you were running for governor. Um, I guess what's one conservative solution that you see in your mind that maybe you pull your hair out and go, this would fix California if we just implemented this conservative solution for this issue and we need to do it like yesterday. What's something that you would say right now to, to listeners to kind of explain that? Well, I think that there's many, but it's hard to really narrow it down. But I think at the end of the day, it's like you can't expect, um, you know, there's consequences for what you, for what we do. I think that's, if, if, whether it's we put money in for infrastructure and it never gets spent on infrastructure, whether we put, uh, you know, we try to do something. If we if we don't enforce um, public safety laws, you're going to have a lot of people breaking the law. I mean, you can steal $950 worth of merchandise and it's a misdemeanor. You can rape an unconscious woman and it's not a felony. So for me, there's a lot of just common sense things that that you know there has to be a deterrent or there has to be you have, to, you have to have result. And we in California, really, if you look back at the hundred and just last year, and I can, every year it's the same. We spend billions and billions of taxpayers' dollars and we get zero results. We spend a lot on education and our students don't have better test scores. We spend a lot on infrastructure. We have paid the highest gas tax in the nation and our roads are the worst. I mean, I can go down the list. So for me, it's like, what does it take? What, what is that thing that will make somebody go, you know what, this isn't working for me. I actually want a result. And that is the craziest thing to me about government is you just, it's not what you do. It's what you say you do. I mean, mm -hmm. there's, there's, and it's not just 
you know, the governor. It's all across the board when it comes to legislators who, who promote all these things, but really never get it done. And I think that's unfortunate. And, and we could go into the EDD with the $30 billion that was ripped off from Californian businesses. We're having to pay back I mean, just down the line. So that, that to me is a fascinating, unbelievable thing that's happening every day here in the state capitol. But n there's no blowback or there's no like, oh, my gosh, this is just I can't take it anymore. And, you know, from from the other side of the electorate. I think accountability. We just don't we we talk about that, but it doesn't really happen. I mean, I was on, you know, you have hearings where they bring in, you know, the different agencies and they have to come before you and give you a briefing, but we need more money. We're short positions. We can't do our, we can't officially do our job, you know, you know, whatever board, right. We have all these boards and these bureaucrats across, but you know, we still don't have above ground water storage and we're, they're looking to pass and put a new bond on the ballot because after this flooding and all the water, like we should be doing more for water structure, you know, infrastructure. Mm -hmm. But there's no accountability for where the bond money previously has been spent. So we're mm -hmm. just going to keep pushing it down the road. And I think right now, I think that Californians are fine. It's finally where we can't push it any further because, you know, you can say everything's great. And the governor can say, look at us. We lead, we innovate, we lead, we lead. But you still go to the grocery store and you pay more for groceries than you have that you that I can think of since raising our children. You still go to the grocery store and it costs you four bags of groceries are $150. And you're like, yeah. what did I buy? You bring them home and lay them out on the counter. You're like, what, what did we buy today? Or the gas for your child to go to a sporting events is now, you know, you're going to have to pick a sport. You can't do all the, everything you did before. So Brian's right. They say, keep saying everything's great. Everything's fine, but nothing's fine and nothing's great. Are we both just speechless? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're sorry we sorry, couldn't basically. pick out one um, thing that we could do. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, we've talked about this idea of, it, you know, California brags. It's the tech center of the world. It's the Silicon Valley and all that. Yet we can't have a government that is transparent, that is accountable, that can track every dollar that can show citizens, where's your money going, you know, show me in real time with technology. I voted for this bond. Where's the money going? Where's the gas tax going? Is it going to fix roads? Is it going to some slush fund that's being paid off to unions or democratic lobbyists or stuff like that? Um, it just, and, and I think unfortunately the silver lining of the state, having a deficit is it does expose a little bit more of the rot of what's going on in Sacramento because now they can't kind of cover it up with a lot of money and throw money at issues and make things feel better. Now they have to make the tough choices of, well, we can't make, you know, we can't support this program. We can't support this service. Now we actually have to make the hard decisions. Um, and maybe these things were bloated and we were overspending money on them anyway. Um, and I, I think personally, if, kind of rounding this all out if republicans really got on a platform of megan you said it best accountability transparency in the government um and just efficiency i think that's a winning message that californians can get behind for republicans like let's just clean up sacramento 
and figure out where the heck all our money is going. I think we're losing the bill. Right. Yeah. Oh, we did lose him. Did you guys catch any of that? <laughs> Some of that? Some of it, but not all of it. Uh, well, I think, I think his point was that, um, you know, there has to be accountability and you can't just continue to um, spend money and not have results. And so when we put, we do that, we don't have, the, the thing is when you have every single constitutional office controlled by Democrats, I mean, you have the attorney general laying out, uh, you know, what what's going to be on the propositions and how they're going to be worded. And you have the governor doing, you know, I mean, every, every office is working against you. The, the, you know, controller is supposed to be out, auditing and checking things out and you know if they're all from the same office they never get audited and so there is there is real opportunity for um i'm not going to say just 100 percent fraud but i would say that there's opportunity to hide things in a way uh that aren't daylighted out if you have you know other parties involved to, to look at it so that, i think that's the most unfortunate thing but i think the the biggest question to me is that what does it take or somebody in California who is independent or a Democrat or even a Republican that's not voting to wake up and say, wait a minute, I actually want a result for what I'm paying out. I want my children to have a better education. I want a better road to ride on. I don't want to pay the highest gas tax and the highest energy costs and the power go out every summer. And I don't want to see my forest burn down, but we're supposed to be leading the way with global warming and we're showing the world how we're going to do it. I think that's where we, and have or daylighting that out and say like look you can spend all the money you can you can say we're doing I mean, governor newsom talks so much about homelessness and then on sean hannity he said you know we've really failed after he spent 20 billion dollars he, he said failure and everybody just gives him the pass well you know failure is not an option right now you spend a lot of taxpayer money that could go to education or could go to other things and so that to me i think is the biggest uh, hypocrisy uh, in our state um sorry i dropped out there yeah, but, we, but i'm I, back he's there but it looks frozen uh shoot well since we only have a few minutes left can we ask what are your future plans i know megan at the beginning you mentioned you're going to run in 2024 for his seat yes for the and brian what can we expect from you well as you know i love california and i you know i have a um i don't have a plan yet i'm waiting on you know, the Holy Spirit to give me a move of where I'm going. I don't know. I, I usually pray about things a lot before I do them. And so I'm waiting to see where I'm going. I will be involved in trying to work with uh, everybody that has the same values I have so far. But I don't I don't have a office. I do have a office. I do have a lieutenant governor's account open. I'm not running for lieutenant governor. It's ability for me to be able to raise money into that account and help my other, help Megan and other legislators that are trying to get elected. Um, and so, but for right now, I will just uh, tell you that I don't have a plan. And the one thing about it is I don't have to have a plan. I have a business and an awesome family to go to. And I'm, we always do that. I'm not, I'm not a legislator that my purpose in life was to be a legislator. My, my purpose in life was to be a husband, a father, and, and a business owner and take care of my community. And I'll continue to do that. Awesome. Um since, since Phil is gone, uh, <laughs> I can't end this yet. Um, do you mind real quick? Because 
it's kind of, it's sad how many issues have arisen since then. But a few months ago, we were all talking about water infrastructure. Oh, and here he is. <laughs> Phil, we lost you. <laughs> yeah. Um, You're really underground, Phil. <laughs> I'm so underground that I lose internet connection. I, I heard the whole, I heard the whole conversation about future plans and I was like, oh, I can't get in. So, uh, can we expect a, I, although a future I should let Megan run for governor? No. What was that, Senator? Are we going to, Senator? Are we going to see another uh, governor run? Possibly. You did do the best in ten years, so uh, there is momentum to build upon there. Well, I am continuing to network and try to work on uh, ways to get more people involved. Because at the end of the day, um, as Camille knows, who worked alongside me, and thank you for that, Camille. It was awesome to get to know you and and so many wonderful people in California that. Um, but at the end of the day, we really need a uh, we need to have an army of donors and an army of people to get the job done. So uh, we're not ever giving up on California. We're gonna we're not gonna be like Senator Welk. We're not leaving. We're staying. <laughs> we love and I, Scott. And I, I love Scott. I tease him all the time. He's like, I'm out of here. He's like, um, but I don't know what the future holds at this point right now. Uh, we're not closing any doors. We're not opening any right now. We're just gonna continue to be doing what we do, and that's loving yeah. California, working with people we love. And, and daylighting out the things that we think are not um, great about California. So I'll put you down for a maybe running for governor again. <laughs> that's, that's, a good, that's a good spot. It's happening. It was a pencil. He can erase not, it. We're not, we're not having any breaking news on California Underground tonight. Shucks. Not tonight. Um, all right. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. This was an amazing, amazing conversation, uh, having both of you on uh doors always open if you guys want to come back on discuss more stuff i know i tried to pin you guys down on solutions and stuff there's probably so much more we can talk about in terms of every issue and topic um so let's have you guys back on again we can talk more about issues specifically um so i don't know do you guys have any final thoughts before we sign off for the night well we just want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to share our vision of california and who we are and what we do uh, we won't change. We will guarantee you that. We will continue to fight the good fight. And uh, we love California. And we thank you for what you're doing as far as just, you know, bringing people together. And I think that's very important. And I know uh, that we need more of that. And we need to sh share our vision and get more people engaged. So we appreciate what you do as well. And we're honored to be on your program. Absolutely. Oh. Yes. Thank you for the opportunity. It's, it's always good to talk about ideas and solutions. And just basically, I think what one of the big things we learned from the governor's race is just meeting with different groups of people and really sharing your heart, your heart for California and um, for solutions. So thank you for this opportunity and the platform. Oh, thank you guys. Um, oh my gosh. Is he calling yeah, in? As I said, whenever you guys want to come <laughs> back on. So, Oh, did I get, did I get lost again? Yeah. Darn. Be with us, Phil. <laughs> okay. I'm going to finish it up real quick. Before we lose internet connection, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Make sure you go follow both uh, Senator and Assemblywoman Dolly on Instagram, although they're not trying to be Instagram famous. Um, make sure you like and subscribe, <laughs> review, share. Share this episode with everybody who you know. This is a great episode. Um, and with that, we'll say good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to another episode of California Underground. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe, like, and review it. And follow California Underground on social media for updates as to when new episodes are available. 